On today's episode of Locked On Pistons podcast, we're joined by the Detroit Free Press beat writer for the Detroit Pistons, Omari Sankofa II, to talk about the Pistons offseason, the expectations and hype around Cade Cunningham. It's going to be a fun episode. Stay tuned for today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We are on our road to 10,000 subscribers by the end of this upcoming season. We just crossed 6.1 thousand, so if you have not already, about 40% of you guys who watch the videos are not subscribed. Please hit that subscribe button, or you guys can always, as you guys have been doing, leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So on today's episode, as you guys can see on YouTube, we are joined by Omari Sankofa II of the Detroit Free Press, the Pistons beat writer. Omari, how are you doing this offseason? Cool. I'm doing great. We're in the dog days right now, so it's... uh. It's always fun to get to this part, right? You just you're on social media and you see all the hype for next season. So I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Excited for training camp. Love to hear it. So, like you mentioned, hype around the team, or more specifically, hype around Cade. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but before we get to the hype around Cade, and as I'm recording this, I believe like 10 hours ago, the Rico Hines footage finally was dropped, and Pistons fans are absolutely eating it up. I'd be lying if I said I didn't go through and record some clips to tweet out myself. But we'll talk about that later. At first, I want to get your just overall thoughts on the Detroit Pistons offseason. I feel like before they got into offseason, a lot of people were expecting them to make some big signing in free agency, go after Cam Johnson. Um, if it wasn't Cam Johnson, just they had a lot of cap space to go out and do something with the cap space. And they did something with the cap space, but I don't think many Pistons fans expect it to be as, I guess the word would be as small, I guess. With the, what their offseason was, just what were your overall thoughts on what they decided to do? I think their offseason was fine when you look at it from the standpoint of you have this flexibility and, of course, a lot of young guys. And last year was not necessarily the season you wanted, just not from a developmental standpoint, but just from a chemistry standpoint with Kate being out. So just to fortify the roster, uh, get a couple of shooters in with Monte Morris and Joe Harris. And then rely on that internal growth for next season. I think in the grand scheme, it makes sense. But I think along with that, fans probably became accustomed to more fireworks where, you know, Trey comes in first two years where he makes the entire roster. Uh, last year, obviously trading for Boyan and then trading for during the night of the draft as well. And we didn't really see those types of moves this year. In the grand scheme, I think it's it's fine. Uh, maybe a little bit more boring compared to what people expected. But just looking at the roster, I think this is probably the deepest team. Uh, not just up Detroit Weaver era, but even a couple of years before that, especially when you take into account some of the injuries they had around that time. And it's fine. It's fine. It's not like a jaw dropping offseason. I don't think it was a bad offseason. I think it was fine. And I think just for where this team is, where they need to develop and figure out what guys are, I think it makes sense. So let's go ahead and pivot to the NBA draft. The Pistons went ahead and drafted Asar Thompson with the fifth overall pick. Um, throughout last offseason and the beginning of this offseason, I repeatedly said, I feel like the Pistons had the worst wing room in the entire NBA this past season. I feel like they, at, at the very least, the defensive, uh, their wings on defense were the worst in the NBA this past season. I thought the wings 
were the was the biggest point of emphasis for them to improve on this offseason. They went out there and they got a defensive wing, hyper-athletic, Asar Thompson, someone I was really a big fan of. I wanted the Pistons to draft once they did fall to five. What were your thoughts on them drafting Asar Thompson? I know he really impressed them uh, during the pre-draft process. Obviously, as you mentioned, he checks out of boxes for them just as a big wing, seven-foot wingspan, a hyper-athletic playmaking. I think he checks a lot of boxes for this team. On draft night, there was a lot of debate, you know, obviously Asar uh, and his brother Amen uh, being 20 years old and OTE and how they would adjust and this and that. But I think everything we've seen since has shown that Asar is ready. Uh, you know, we saw him at, at Rico Hines. We saw him in, in Summer League. Uh, just the block shots he's had, just the defensive instincts, knowing where guys are going to go. Uh, he really checks a lot of boxes for this team and then the IQ as well when you just look at some of the passes he's made. So obviously the jumper has got to come along. But beyond that, I thought it made sense just from the standpoint of let's get somebody who could be a Swiss army knife for this team and fill a lot of these holes we have on defense. So let's stay with the draft and then we'll slowly move into free agency. The Pistons did not make some big trade up to 13 or 12 or for a Jalen Duran, but they did move back up into the first round to get Marcus Sasser at 25. Now, as I previously said, I thought the wing room was the biggest point of emphasis for the team. And I thought they would get multiple guys in there for the wing room. Um, with some length, some assessors, and some defense, they decided to go another guard with Marcus Sasser. Um, there's been some debate about whether that was a quote-unquote luxury pick and if it was the right pick for what this roster needs. What do you think about the selection of Marcus Sasser? He was one of my favorite players in the draft. Just when you see what he did at Houston with the defense, he was one of the best shooters in college basketball the last two years. And along with that, I don't know if point guard or whatever you want to call it, uh, just their backcourt uh, was necessarily a point of need going into the draft. But, you know, to trade up for him, I think, says a lot just about his fit from a culture standpoint. And then also going back to a star where they wanted somebody who could really compete on defense. Uh, Marcus Sasser gives you a lot of that as well. So obviously that trade poses some questions as far as how Detroit's backcourt will shake out going into the season and even beyond that. But if you're just looking at getting two great defensive culture fits, then uh, Sasser and Asar is probably toward the top of the list as far as what you could do in that draft. Yeah, I, you know, when they made the pick, I think immediately I thought, okay, this guy's going to be the off-ball guard on offense and then play point of attack defensively. But then they went out and got Monty, I believe, like a week after that. So now Monty, Alec Burks, the backcourt, I'm just I'm struggling to see how exactly he's going to fit in. Now, obviously, he's a rookie. There's a long-term goal here. It's not just about this upcoming season. Um, but I can't help but think that maybe – they could have went with another wing. Not nothing about nothing about Marcus Sasser not being good. I agree with everything you said. How good of a shooter he was in his time in college. His point of attack defense. We saw him go crazy in summer league in that final game. So nothing about Marcus Sasser himself, the player, just about what this team needed for this upcoming season. I think that they went with a little bit of a luxury pick, but maybe they move Monty or Alec Burks during the season to then free up minutes for him halfway through the year. I could see something like that happening too. Um, but let's get to free agency. So, like I said. A lot of fans thought Cam Johnson was on the board, ended up not happening. Actually, the Pistons made a trade with the Nets that probably helped them keep Cam Johnson for Joe Harris. Um, they didn't go after any of the other big names. I don't think they made one free agent sign unless we're counting two-way guys. Uh, I'm not going to count them. Um, were you expecting them to just not make any free agent signs? Not that it's good or bad, but were you just expecting that to be the case? I didn't really expect anything. I knew that they were going into a situation where they had that flexibility 
And I figured they would not go after Cam Johnson unless they could get him for the right price. I know he was somebody that they looked into deeply. I think when it came down to it, they decided we don't necessarily need to invest 25 plus million dollars into the wing position uh, when you have a star. And then, of course, just with uh, Monty and with Joe Harris, you could roll that flexibility forward, uh, see what you have, assess your roster next season. And then go from there. Maybe make a move at the trade deadline. Maybe wait till next summer. But uh, all your chips are in front of you as far as that. So I would say maybe a week before free agency, I did think they were leaning toward making that type of splash this offseason. But uh, we just saw things went down. I think a lot of guys probably got paid more money than the Pistons were willing to dedicate toward. Uh, of course, Cam Johnson has the injury history as well. And it just felt like sort of a crossroads moment for me for this team, right? Like you're getting K back. Uh, at what point do we put our chips in and like really push uh, to get to that next step? And you know, I think even just beyond Trey ownership as well, uh, they've looked at past seasons where you go all in on Blake Griffin and these other moves to kind of get the team going. And they don't want to repeat that. They don't want to go all in on the player with injury history. They don't want to overpay anybody. Uh, I think they're just going to slow roll this and go not overcommit. Uh, before you have to really so again in the grand scheme that's probably a lot more boring uh, than people expected uh, you know certainly gives me a, as a beat writer less to you know kind of dissect and write about but beyond that I thought I thought it all made sense yeah I, I can definitely feel that I was expecting a lot more things to talk about and be able to stretch out some episodes but you know it didn't necessarily break <laughs> out that way um, the last thing I want to bring up and then we'll move on to the next topic so you mentioned that they brought in Joe Harris they brought in uh, Monty Morris, they drafted, obviously, Sasser. They got a SAR. They didn't make a ton of moves, but they did address overall shooting. Uh, the question that I've posed in the podcast numerous times, I'm really interested to see how exactly it's going to break down, is did they actually add shooting to the roster? Yes. But did they add shooting in ways and where you can, like, make a functional roster or a functional lineup on the floor where you can actually utilize all that shooting with your core guys? The reason why I asked that question is, like, Okay, Joe Harris. Can you play Joe Harris and Boyan together and get away defensively on the floor? I'm not sure with that. Can you play Joe Harris, Ivy, and Boyan on the floor together and get away defensively? I really don't know about that. Um, so, and then overall, is Joe Harris even going to be in the rotation? It, it's it like he's going to be fighting with Asar, Isaiah Livers, um, other guys as well. So, do you believe that the guys that they acquired, do you think that they actually are going to impact this team on the floor, or do you think? it's going to be more just locker room presence. More specifically, Joe Harris, I say. Monty Morris is going to play a lot. Joe Harris, I guess, is the real question. Do you think he's actually going to play, or do you think he's going to be more of a vet presence? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think we'll see Morris a good amount next season. Joe Harris, I'm TBD on. Uh, you mentioned just the rotation, and it's tough to know at this point if he's going to get those minutes. Uh, they will come at the cost of maybe a star or Isaiah Livers, or if Monty wants to maybe go a little bit smaller. Uh, you could just run Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart as your five. And then maybe, you know, when Duran comes off the floor, you just shift Isaiah Stewart to the four or five. And then you get Joe Harris in there, which, of course, would also come at the cost of minutes for uh, James Wiseman, who they want to get a look at. Uh, I see he'll be a restricted free agent in a year. And then uh, James Wiseman. I said James Wiseman. And then Marvin Bagley as well. <laughs> Marvin Bagley as well. So uh, a lot of questions, of course, just as far as how this rotation can shake out. Uh, I think if Joe Harris can really shoot the ball the way he has, I mean, he's been above 40% uh, pretty much his entire career. 
uh, it would be tough, I think, to leave that level of shooting on the bench. But a lot of that, too, is how he recovers uh, just from that lower body injury he had uh, a couple years ago. And then last season with him kind of working his way back into the rotation. Uh, he's 31, so it's tough to say if that's going to be a long-term thing for him or if he could get back to 100% or even 90. So a lot of that depends on his health as well. But I would say as a whole, I would see him getting some minutes. I don't know if he's a, a nightly type of player for them, but if he could really shoot the ball, I think there's going to be some nights where uh, Monty Williams has no choice but just to go with his shooters, right? So you have some positional flexibility in there, and I think probably for the first time you're in a situation where you have some veterans who can play who may not just because you're prioritizing other guys who could also play. Fair enough. It also speaks to your point about them having a deep rotation, something that they haven't had in the past. So um, I, we're going to move on to talking about the hype and the expectations around Kay Cunningham. Again, the Rico Hines footage has dropped. If you haven't watched it yet, go look it up on YouTube. Um, it's The Cade stuff is already reaching another point again. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Ibotta. Picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? It's officially summer, and a new season means new clothes, but your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make these purchases. Now you can use or watch your cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're benefiting and beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use the cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying out Ibotta by using code LOCKED when you register. Just go to App Store or Google Play Store and download the the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED with Ibotta. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, So, Amari, we've spent a lot of time talking about Cade on this podcast, especially over the last, like, two and a half weeks, three weeks or so. Um, obviously, case the franchise player, you're going to spend a lot of time talking about him. But specifically, over the last few weeks, we've talked a lot about him because he had the uh, Team USA stuff come out where it said he was given an invite to be on the actual team, but he declined it. Then the scrimmages took place where he really wowed everybody, and it was talk about, oh well, if he really wanted to be on the team, he'd be on the team. He was really giving it the Team USA. And then I uh, I was told that he was playing extremely well versus Rico Hines, and there was about a lot of talk about how well he was playing against other guys at Rico Hines. Then the footage drops now yesterday. So everything that keeps going on and on and on, I see that his odds for most improved. Last time I checked, I believe we're at one now. Uh, or no, the NBA uh, analysts were asked about who they thought would win most improved, and Cade was number one. I believe that was with NBA.com last week or a few days ago. But either way, the hype around Cade is reaching an all-time high. What do you think about all the attention he's now getting, and do you think he can live up to this attention that he's getting? Well, Cade's been out of the spotlight uh, really for the last year just with the injuries, so – uh, this summer was almost like his reintroduction where he's probably getting back to that hype level he came in with in 2021 
as the number one pick. Uh, so I think a lot of it is just Pistons, 17 wins. Not too many people were watching them last year. And then K comes back and it's like, oh, he's really good at basketball, which of course we know, but until you see it, uh, you know, maybe it's just something you have to prove. So that's what we're seeing this summer. Like he's back on the scene, maybe even playing better than he has in the past uh, with the USA team with Rico Hines. Uh, all indications of that not only is he healthy, but he's playing at an extremely high level. And the most improved conversation is kind of funny to me because he's a number one pick. So it's like, why would he win most improved when being a number one pick? Obviously, there's some expectation that you can reach that star level. But John won it. And I know Luca in the past had gotten a lot of attention for it as well. So that's just kind of what the award is now, uh, which, again, I think speaks to uh, just how well he's attacked this offseason and has really shown that he could play at a high level. Uh, whether or not he'll live up to the hype, uh, we'll see. But if he's fully healthy and he's carrying this momentum into the season, which there's no reason to expect that he won't, uh, I think he will. I mean, we've seen what he could do. Even before he got hurt last year, he was averaging about 20, uh, 6 and 6, and that was on a, <laughs> a bump shin, right? So I think you could project that and just see him coming out next season and really uh, setting the scene, not just for himself, but for the Pistons as well. Do you think that the – now, I, I may be spoiling one of the questions later, but do you think that – Cade making the all-star team should be a goal and reasonable goal for him this year? Or do you think that's a year too early? It should be a goal for him, 100%, uh, for the Pistons to get to that next tier where they're not only making the play-in, but are actually a threat to get out of the first round as well. Uh, they need Cade Cunningham to get to that star level and likely one other player too, whether that's a Sar or Jaden Ivey or Duran or whoever. So absolutely, I think Cade should aim as high as possible if you can get an all-star berth next season. And of course, that's fantastic. But even if you fall short, uh, you want to be in a conversation, right? You want to be in the discussion of being among the next group of up-and-coming guards, along with uh, LaMelo, along with Tyrese Halliburton, along with Anthony Edwards, all those guys. Uh, Cade, you know, of course, was as highly regarded as any of them, if not higher, uh, coming into the draft two years ago. So he should be aiming high. I think all-star beyond, he should be aiming for all of that. So I have a I have a question about how you think the Pistons should or how yeah how the Pistons should use Kate Cunningham because there's been a lot of talk about that this offseason and I had um I had his brother on the podcast and he didn't come out right and say it and Kenny if you're watching this I appreciate you man um <laughs> but he didn't outright say it but I put some dots together and he basically was saying you know I feel like Cade plays really well with Spates, give him pick and roll threat, and he can go do his thing. Um, again, he didn't come out right and say, hey, give him the ball and move the space out, but he kind of said, you know, there's too many people in the paint trying to post up. Uh, it, he said a bunch of things, but basically space the floor out and get K the ball and run pick and rolls. what I got from some of the things he said on the podcast, and that's what a lot of people got. Um, then I had Ben Galver on the podcast, who was at Team USA's scrimmage versus Cade. And they talked about, and I think this was in a, the athletic article too, right after the game. Um, but Steve Kerr said, let's use him like Luka Doncic, use him like Luka. Now, some of that had to do with the fact they were going to be going against Luka, um, but also because that's a way that Cade can can play. And he played really well in that type of role. Um, so basically what I'm saying is Ben Goliver said on the podcast, like, oh yeah, I think you could just, I think that's a way that Cade should be being used. Just put the ball in his hands. We've seen the success with Luka, with Harden, with, um, there's a few other examples. Trey, a few years ago with the Hawks when they made the Eastern Conference Finals, um, just do something like that. Now there's another side that's like, no, you don't want to put too much pressure on him like that, and that's not the best way to win basketball games. You want to have multiple ball handlers share the ball and you know, just just swing the ball one side to another, which is I, 
it's going to be interesting to see how Monty d- uses him because he had two primary guards in Phoenix and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but yet they still moved the ball pretty well. But they, I know they did use a lot of pick and roll to really um, fit CP3 into that. Basically, what I'm asking is, how do you think is the best way to build around Cade? Because on draft night, we heard from Asar and Weaver say that the NBA is trending towards multiple ball handlers on the floor who can make the right play, attack gaps and kick, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, we just saw a Denver Nuggets team win the championship that kind of had that exact kind of replica. And there's multiple NBA, other NBA teams that do so as well. So what do you think is the best way to build or use Cade Cunningham, not just this upcoming season, but moving forward? Yeah, I think we've seen uh, just with – the playoff teams, the last few champions, uh, really do you just see just like one guy pounding the ball? Obviously, Dallas caught a lot of flack for uh, not prioritizing Jalen Brunson sooner, and then you kind of default back to Luka pounding the ball, which can win you games in the regular season, but tends to fall short in the playoffs, uh, kind of similar to James Harden um, when he was in Houston. Then they go and get Kyrie. So that's the way the league is trending, and I think the way that and has been trending for a while. And the nice thing about Cade is just how malleable he is, right? Like, he can put the ball in his hands, trust him to make the right play, uh, get a bucket if he needs to. But he can play off ball as well. Uh, of course, he's got all the tools to be a great defender. But I think beyond that, uh, catch and shoot, the percentages haven't been there. But he's good at the free throw line. He's shot well in college. Uh, his form's fine. There's no reason to think he won't be at least an average three-point shooter. So he's somebody that you could play next to Ivy. You could play him next to Monte Morris, Sasser. Uh, use him in more of like the off-ball role. And I think he could be completely fine doing that, picking his spots, getting buckets, uh, just not having to necessarily be the entire engine for the offense. But along with that, uh, with the Pistons, you have him, you have Jaden Ivy, you have Sasser, Kill. Uh, you have all these guys who can make plays with the ball. And I don't think we'll just see Kate Cunningham pounding pick and roll after pick and roll. I think Monty's going to mix it up. Uh, we saw what he did with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And, you know, uh, Cade and Ivy are not really similar players to them, but maybe there's some overlap where, uh, you know, Cade is in more of the Chris Paul role where the ball is in your hands a little bit more. And then Ivy can maybe be more of the attacker, more like Booker, even though Booker also passed the ball a lot as well. So I do think we'll see multiple ball handlers on the floor. I doubt Cade would just be purely in that Luka row where he's pounding the ball possession after possession and being relied on to do everything. Uh, just roster-wise, the Pistons aren't necessarily built for that. They're built to have multiple guys handling the ball. So Kate will still have it a lot, but I don't think it's going to be quite that Luka level. I think it'll be somewhere in between. It's it's one of the most interesting things I'll be watching for for the next few years, the entirety of Kate's like beginning of his career with the Pistons. Because before the draft, I talked about how the NBA was moving towards having multiple ball handlers. You see it on... Denver, you see it on Boston, you see it on multiple contenders when they just have multiple guys that can attack gaps, kick, swing, all that stuff over and over. Um, so I was that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to start Thompson. But then I also find myself, man, my favorite game of Cade ever was his rookie year, Utah, I believe January 7th or something. Dwayne Casey missed the game, Rex Kalamian subbed in, and they went five out. They put Trey Lyles at the five, and Cade had 24 and eight in the second half once they did that. And he it, it, when he has space and a pick and roll guy or just space to attack his matchup, which was actually boy on that game. It's funny to say, um, but just to pick out his matchup and just go at him. He's a good enough passer to make him pay when guys help. And he's a good enough scorer that if you don't help, he's just going to score every time. So I think it's going to be an interesting balancing act to try to do here because you don't want to use him too much and tax him too much, but you also don't want to li- really limit what he's great at. And I think he is great in that role too. So it's, 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 I'm just going to be really interested to see how exactly they balance it. Cause I think you need to have both. 
with with Cade Cunningham. So we'll see what happens this upcoming season. Um, coming up, we're going to play, if you guys listened to last week's episode or two weeks ago with James Edwards, we're going to play a game of just yes or no. I'm going to ask Amari some questions. He's just going to be able to say yes or no. He's not going to be able to give no explanations. James kind of tried to cheat the, this game one answer. He tried to give a little bit of an explanation. So we're going to try to be a little bit more strict with this one. But stay tuned for that when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, Omar, are you ready? Are you, look, you don't get no explanation, okay? So okay. it started off with yeah. James. It started off good. But then I asked him a hard-hitting one, and he had to give a little bit of an explanation. So I'm going to ask you to try. Do you have a chance here to beat James and not give any explanation for any of the yes or no's? Well, I'm going to say yes, but depending on the question, <laughs> it may be tough, right? You may have to you may have to bridge it a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to do my best to answer yes or no, and I'm just right. going to ignore whatever hate I get on social media. <laughs> yeah, that, that was. That was the reasoning just... for for the explanation last time. So we'll see. I'll, I'll try to keep it easier for you. All right, All let's right, get cool. it going. All right, so the first one. Will the Detroit Pistons make a trade before the start of training camp? Yes. Okay. In this trade, will one of Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman, or Killian Hayes be involved? Yes. Okay. Um. Will Kay Cunningham be an all-star this season? No. Will the Detroit Pistons make it to the next round of the play-in tournament? No. Will the Pistons... Oh, not the play-in tournament. The in-season tourney. My fault. No. <laughs> okay. Will the Pistons win at least 30 games this upcoming season? Yes. Okay. Okay. So that that's a, that was a quick yes on that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, will Asar Thompson be the starting wing by the end of this upcoming season? Some ways I'm trying to com- com- communicate with my eyes a little bit. You know, like, <laughs> like just give him like my level of commitment to the yes right, right, right. I'm trying to communicate a little bit. People listening on Apple are probably not going to see that. So if you're on YouTube, just just. Stare at me. Look at my eyes. What was the last <laughs> question? I'm sorry. No, nah, it was. Uh, will Star Thompson be the starting wing by the end of the starting uh, by the end of this season? Yes. Okay. Will Star Thompson make one of the All Rookie teams? Yes. Will K Cunningham win Most Improved Player of the Year? No. If Killian Hayes is still on the roster come training camp, will he have a chance to fight for a roster or a rotation spot? Yes. Will James Wiseman finish the year on the Detroit Pistons? <laughs> trying not to say anything else. I'm trying to just say yes or no and not explain. If, if you have to break it for one answer, you can. You can. But you've, you've done good so far. So if you have to break it. I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Will Boyan Bogdanovich be on the team by the end of the season? No. Okay, so that one you're gonna call stir with that one because I think James said yes. Okay. <laughs> and all the all the attention as I think Keith Langless just came out with a Pistons mailbag when he says he thinks he's gonna be on the roster by the end of the year. So I think you're you might cause a little stir in Pistons Twitter and the Pistons community with that one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, 
The will Monty Williams utilize the two big lineup? Yes. <laughs> I felt like that you wanted to say like an explanation with that one. Well, I didn't say the extent we'll see it, so I'm just gonna go over okay, the course of an okay. 82 game season. We'll see a, a, a lot of lineups, right? So fair enough. Yes. Yeah. All right. So will Marcus Sasser earn a rotation spot this year? Yes. Okay, that's also interesting. Fair enough. Fair enough. Will Cade average twenty five plus points per game this year? No. All right. Will uh, Will Isaiah Stewart shoot thirty five plus from three? Yes, I'm gonna go yes. Okay. Will Jalen Duran average a double double this year? I'm also gonna go yes. All right, and then the final one, unless you have any other ones you want to like expand on, last one will be. Will the Pistons make the plan? No. All right. So, Omari, I'm going to say this, man. I feel like me and you are a little bit in line with a lot of these questions. Okay. This is okay. This is, so, me and James disagreed on a few of them, but me, and, especially the play-in one, I agree with the play-in. They're not going to make the play-in. You want to expand on that one a little bit? Why you think they won't make it? I, this one won't count. You won the game. You didn't say any explanations. Okay. This All one right, will just cool. be to add on to to the segment. Do you want to explain why you think they won't make it? Yeah, I see them just like 31, 32 wins. I know I said yes above 30. I don't think it'll be dramatically above that. But just looking at the improvements they made this offseason and then Kate being back. Um, and then also just last season, obviously, they were tanking for Wimby down the stretch. I just think 31, 32 is very realistic for them. But I just don't see them getting too much beyond that. So it'll just take a complete collapse of the Eastern Conference for a team, I think, with less than 38 wins, maybe, uh, to get into the play-in. Uh, so I don't necessarily see... That is the outcome this season. Next season, sure, but this season, I just think that would take a lot to go right for the Pistons and a lot to go wrong for the rest of the conference for them to be in that discussion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. My my expectation from the win is 32 games for the exact reasons you laid out. Um, last year, I don't think they were actually a 17-win team if Cade played and they tried. And I don't think they were like some 28-win team. I think they were probably like a 23-win team. So a nine-win jump to 32 is more reasonable than saying, oh, they're going to go from 17 to 32. Like, I, I think that is kind of skewed a little bit. So I think 32 wins will probably be where they're at. And I agree again with the play-in stuff. I think you have to win around 38 games, uh, especially with how the Eastern Conference teams that maybe were expected to blow it up did not blow it up, like the Bulls, the Raptors. Uh, they kind of kept their guys, except for Fred Van Vliet. But as long as they have Pascal, I think they're going to be probably – Pascal and OG, they'll probably be better than the Pistons. Yeah, um, and that's and that's the the thing. I just think that this trade deadline could potentially be pretty crazy uh, for all the teams that are just gonna have to pick a direction. But the new CBA, you don't necessarily want to be more expensive uh, roster wise than you need to be. Uh, so that kind of ties into the Boyan question as well. It's more of a like how could things change over the course of the season? So that's more so be calling my shot. Uh, but but we'll see. We'll see. I think this next season is gonna be a lot of fun, and a lot of teams are gonna have to pick their direction since they didn't do it over the summer. Right, and we'll wrap the podcast up with this. Amari, what do you think the starting lineup will be to start the year? Start the year, I'm going to go Cade, Ivy, Stewart, Duran, and Boyan. Right, I think that's probably the right answer there. I think I don't know if that will be their best lineup by the end of the year, but I do agree that's what they'll start with. Yeah, um, that just feels like the most safe guess, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Asar and Boyan could be interesting, but we'll see if they actually end up doing that. Um, Thank you, Amari, for coming on, man. Appreciate you. We got this in an under 35 minutes. Usually when guests come on, we run too long, but we were able to get this one out in under 35 minutes. So I appreciate it. 
Um, you guys can follow Omari on Twitter at Omari Sankofa. You can find all of his work at the Detroit Free Press. Also, you can listen to his podcast, The Pistons Pulse, with Motor City Hoops, Bryce Simon, who's been on the podcast many, many times. Um, they have their own podcast as well. I'm sure a lot of you guys listen to it that listen to this one. So make sure you guys are checking that out. Follow him on Twitter. Check out all of his work. Again, Omari, I appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review whenever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Go Pistons. And again, see you next time.